I want to talk to you for a few minutes about ways for these days. Ways for these last days. How many of you thank God for Ways, the app? <laughs> thank God we've been delivered from MapQuest. And we don't have to print out our directions like some of y'all millennials, you don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. Um, before smart, when, remember back when we had a crackberry, I mean a blackberry, and, and all we, we could print, and you, you're just, oh, what does she mean when we say she, because anybody giving us bad directions has got to be a woman. And we, sorry. And um, thank God we don't have MapQuest, and we don't have uh, Rand McNally, Atlas, you know, road atlas where you, you got to have a big Cadillac just to open that thing up and try and figure out where you are. And uh, you want to take that with you? Thank you, Roshan. And, um, but we have Waze. And Waze is like a virtual community where we help each other. And like if there's a car stalled on the left side of the road, we can let everybody know there's a car stalled. And we can get to the restaurant and Waze says, would you like to take a picture of this place so that others who are coming behind you could see where they're going and they can pull up and, you know, and like we can, as the body of Christ, we can minister to each other. Like there are times that there could be a demon, I mean, a police officer <laughs> over the hill and blue lives matter. And, um, uh, and we can let our brothers know by giving them a rhema word of revelation. And that way we could honor the Lord by making haste. And we could go 95 miles an hour until we get to the crest of that hill where that police officer is. And then we could honor the Lord and slow down what, like good law-abiding citizens. Anybody just thankful? You know, like, I'm in places I've never been for before. I have no idea how to get there. But thank God I've got Waze and I've got an iPhone fully charged. And I just trust her and she takes me there. Waze for these days. The word days as in not days, but dazed. Days means to make someone unable to think or react properly, to stupefy, to bewilder, as in he was such a clear-thinking person until the year 2020. Now he seems dazed. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem. They're in the temple. Listen, this is so interesting and so real to life. And they're leaving the temple. And the disciples observed something interesting. And the fact that they said this out loud to Jesus, the message says that his disciples pointed out how very impressive the temple architecture was. The disciples are injured. These country bumpkins, these fishermen are in the temple and they're like, dude, these are some sweet facilities. Jesus, do you... Just like a bunch of Westerners going, that's a nice campus. And Jesus says, the day is coming where not one brick will stand on top of the other. And 40 years later, that's exactly what happened. And it caught their attention. And they got him privately and they said, Jesus, what did you mean? What's it going to be like in the last days? What's it going to be like before you return? And for the next 93 verses... Two full chapters, he gives incredible detail on what we can expect will happen in the last days. And I know there's some thought over these two chapters that they have to do with the tribulation period. And we don't know when the rapture is going to happen. And there's some debate. And I love it because God has not made it clear to any of us when he's going to return or send Jesus to come and get us. And any knucklehead who thinks God gave it to me and so I'm going to write a book, 88 Reasons Why God is going to Come in 1988. How many of you know if that happens, that's not when he's going to come? Because he said he will come at a time when no one else is expecting him. But the disciples are going, Jesus, when and what, what will be the signs? And the first 
thing Jesus says is, watch out so that you are not deceived. Deception is tricky. Because the nature of deception is when you are deceived, you don't know you're deceived. You believe something to be true and it's not. Or you believe something to be false, but it's true. Deception is tricky. And Jesus says, watch out so that you're not deceived. Then he goes on, well, why would that be that important? Why is that the first thing you're telling us before you even mention the signs? It's going to be like in the last days. Jesus goes on and he begins to enumerate certain things. He says, in the last days, many will come. Some will even come in my own name, claiming to be the Messiah. And they will, listen, deceive many. Jesus goes on and says, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. It's interesting that the Greek word there is ethnos, from which we get ethnic. And he's actually referring to a time when their race will rise up against race. You'll hear of wars, nation rising against nation. And he says, not only don't be deceived, but see to it when this stuff starts happening that you are not alarmed that you're not crippled by surprising fear that comes upon you. Be discerning. And it will be like this. And he tells us, so that we would not be crippled by fear. He goes on and says, you'll be handed over to persecution because of me. Many will turn away from the faith and they'll, they'll be, tr listen, many will turn away from the faith. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. And listen, if this doesn't describe the day in which we're living, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, because evil gets evil, 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 and more evil, Jesus says, the love of most will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness. He goes on to say that Neither the angels, and then he's talking in third person, nor the son know the day or hour when he will return. And then he makes this statement. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when the son of man returns. You should pay attention to that. What was it like in the days of Noah? Jesus illustrates. He says, they, people were doing what people always do. They were eating, drinking, getting married, and going to weddings up until the day it started to rain. And Jesus says, just like that day, it will be the same way before our return. There were people in Noah's neighborhood who had heard about him and they had seen the big, he calls it an ark. And the poor guy's been working for decades and conspiracy much, Noah? And he's killing the property values and his poor kids, they have to walk around that big old until he gets there. And Noah was just a lunatic, knucklehead, crazy person until it started to rain. And Jesus says, it will be just like that on the day that he returns. And let me remind you, these are the words of Jesus. This isn't Jeremiah or Isaiah. This isn't a crazy prophet who's lost his mind. This is not Paul or Timothy. This is not a Facebook post. These are the simple, straightforward words of Jesus. And he's saying, don't be deceived. See to it that you're not alarmed. These are the things that will happen. For 17 months, as your pastor and friend, I have told you, I'm not going to sensationalize this season of history that, in which we find ourselves. I'm not going to hype it up because that's what preachers do. They find some cute little relevant thing going on and they bring it and break it out on Sunday morning. But it has very little rhema anointing, very little life on it. And so I've said I'm not going to sensationalize the election, the pandemic, race issues, the COVID. But neither am I going to ignore history and act like we are not seeing parallels of the treacherous, 
perilous times that we have seen throughout the history of mankind. Brothers and sisters, something something is happening in our world. COVID is real. People are dying. And yes, it's being politicized and distorted. Whether it's real and the reasons for it, or, that doesn't even matter. We, are, we have been quarantined. We find ourselves in a pandemic. The people that we should be able to trust who are leading, we are finding out they've never been trustworthy. We're seeing hypocrisy at levels that make us blush and cry. We're seeing a double standard everywhere we look. We're, there's a spirit of, that's trying to silence us and cancel us. Racial division is at a, time, at a level that we've never seen in our lifetime. The Democrats and the Republicans have voted again to give $3 trillion to people. And many of the cases are silly. And we're learning that it's lobbyists who are running our nation, not the 535 people who have been elected to do it. Two in a row presidential elections that, are, that have been distrusted. In 2016, half of the people said that wasn't legit. In 2020, the other half said that wasn't legit. And we're in a culture where the media and the social dilemma leads us more than we realize it. And they're driven by greed. A news cycle that is so dishonest, it's almost laughable. But we can't cry because those who walk in the Spirit feel the cloud of oppression and the pressure. There's a lot I could say right here, but a year, over a year ago, the Lord spoke to us that we are in a spiritual world war. And it is raging. News that's so dishonest, it's laughable. But thank God for the fact checkers. How would we know what to believe if Mark Zuckerberg wasn't protecting us from all the... The real fact checker, checker is the one that lives in your heart. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he leads and guides and illuminates truth and reminds you of what truth is. And he helps you to discern the times so that you won't be alarmed. How many of you thank God you have the divine fact checker up in your cell, up in your heart? Now, and we have, I, I must say this, prophets and prophecies that are reckless and inconsistent. Independently wealthy men who've led millions of people for decades spiritually, early on in the days and weeks of the pandemic, saying, by Passover, COVID will be gone. God told me so. Passover 2020. And it's still here. And there's no accountability. We live in a, a daze. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern the right ways. Jesus says, Watch out so that you're not deceived. See to it that you're not alarmed. And you may go, Pastor Chuck, and I will tell you, I've talked about for years, way before the pandemic ever got here and COVID and all the craziness that we're still living under. I've said for years, one of the missing, the missing gift in the American church is the ability to discern. The gift of discernment that is brought by the Holy Spirit living in us. And we've put up with shallow and silly theology. And, and we've been led by spiritual leaders who are not leading with integrity. And, and we, we are weak and unprepared and not ready for battle because of it. And you go, okay, Pastor Chuck, I'm, you're causing me to even doubt my ability to discern. How do you learn to discern? These are the things I've taught since I was a youth pastor. How do you grow? Listen to me. It's so practical. If I'm like in a conversation and I need to discern the truth. If I'm watching news or if I'm looking at business 
ideas or proposals or we're looking at ministry and and what Dr. Fauci is saying and what people in our own church how do we how do we know what's the right thing to do what is God saying there's three simple things to develop the gift of discernment one is the Bible says in Proverbs 13 20 walk with the wise and you will become wise if you're the smartest person in every room you walk into you need to get out of your kitchen and you need to be around other people hear me I'm serious as a heart attack and I don't want to be cute some of you just need to let more people in your circle or you need to eliminate some people and you need to get with your people that God is giving you walk with the wise and you will become wise there's a life-giving principle there that I don't have a lot of time to do, but that's where it starts what's the second thing spend time in his word his word is alive active it gets in you and eliminates faith and create I mean eliminates fear and brings faith Psalm 119 11 says your word I put it in my heart and it protects me from sin I'm able to how many of you know no matter where you are in your daily reading and you're reading the Bible through the year God can tell you whatever you need to hear anybody know what I'm talking about you're like where'd that come from and God's like I just I moved that verse out of Matthew and put it in Leviticus just for you today it's like that oh man I, I wish I big six foot four or five handsome man came to the at the end of the first service and said um, we've been coming for a few months and told us their story and where they came from and they both he and his wife began to tear up and he said I'm 46 years old it's the first time in my life as a Christian I started reading the Bible and he told me about a story I told a few weeks ago or a month or whatever it was and he said I'm, I'm in first Kings and you could see the glory in his eyes you can, you have to be in the word just to get the real fact checking perspective and when you're in the word and it's in you there's like a magnetic filter that goes when you're hearing something it's not the word inside you it's going you might know it's a real and you'll hear something you're like i'm not sure and the holy spirit goes yeah that's ding 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 you're like oh wow Anybody know what? This is real. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to be cute. You let the word get in. It's alive. Hebrews 11 says, our world has been framed by the word of God. God's wanting to frame you. It's a setup. You've been framed if you let the word get in you. Y'all throw us. Oh, everybody, anybody picking up a little bit of what I'm putting down? What's the third thing? You've got to feed your spirit, man. Get off Facebook, Instagram. Quit trying to defend whatever you're trying to... Get your focus off of your enemy and you trying to help them understand that you are right and they are wrong. Feed your spirit, man, and starve your soulish man. Ephesians 5, 17 says... Don't be foolish. Understand the Lord's will. How? You, I'm, put, I'm dropping down a lot, and I don't want to move too fast. Paul says, understand, don't be foolish. Know God's will. How? The very next verse. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you do these three things, you'll be amazed at the inside intel you'll start getting. Divine. And you learn to discern. And then you go, now that I can discern, I'm no longer crippled by fear. What do you, Jesus said, see to it that you're not alarmed. Don't be caught off guard with some facts that begin to control you and make you afraid. Are y'all picking up? So be discerning so that you won't be crippled by fear. Now, that was our introduction. <laughs> Parable, 
I'm teaching and I have, I feel like I'm birthing a baby. You're like, Pastor Chuck, how do you know what it feels like? I don't, but I've watched my wife do it seven times and it's like, I I can relate to it. Seriously, what does that mean? It's like, Lord, you're you're giving me something to say that people may not want to hear, may not be ready for it, but by your spirit, you are speaking this morning. So Matthew 24, Jesus is going, don't be impressed with the facilities. And they go, how will we know about the last days? And he, so he tells them, Matthew 24, and then Matthew 25, 93 verses of him giving parables. And this is one of them, the parable of the ten virgins. It's one of the most misunderstood and underappreciated, straightforward, simple parables in the, in the New Testament. Look with him in Matthew 25, in the NIV it says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. 50% had it going on, 50% were foolish, clueless. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. That is a sad verse. They did what the wise ones did. They took their lamps with oil in their lamps. But they didn't do what the wise ones did. Verse 4, the wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Verse 5, the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to them, hey, could, could you give us some of your oil? Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you instead. Just go to Walmart or Home Depot and get some oil, buy some for yourselves. But while they were on, and they were willing, they got up and went at midnight to go get some oil. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. He replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. The parable of the ten virgins has to do with being ready for the last days, the return of Jesus Christ. Later in this same chapter, we see the parable of the talents. And that is, hear me, this is a whole other sermon, but to understand the value and the weight of this one, you've got to understand all the stuff that Jesus is saying around it. The parable of the talents is, use what you've been given, or when he comes back, if he sees that you've been irresponsible with that, it won't be good. Then he says, and on the last days, the last thing you need to know about him is he's going to separate us from the sheep, from the goats. And the the sheep will be the ones who could recognize the need of Jesus in the hearts of the less fortunate. When you are able to see who really needs help and you help them, you've ministered to Jesus. Now let's go back here to this parable. There's five things that I see here that I want to draw out. And the first one is this. Half of the virgins were wise and half were foolish. 50% of the people who were qualified, they're virgins. They represent the church. They're sincere, pure-hearted. Five of them are qualified and prepared. The other five, the foolish ones, they're just, they're qualified, but they're not prepared. 50%. Second thing that we can pull out of here is the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And waiting a long time makes you give up hope and you get drowsy and sleepy. And that's why in Revelation chapter 22, at 66 books of the Bible, John finally is like, okay, we're almost finished writing the Bible. Could you quickly come, Jesus? Anybody ever felt like that? Like, we have waited and waited and waited. One of my children, the 23-year-old one, was like, Dad, I've been hearing that my whole life. And I'm like, son, you're just 23 years old. Hang on just a couple more days. It might come true. You know, waiting makes you kind of give up hope. And you get drowsy and sleepy. And in this parable, we see that they all became drowsy. 
the wise and the foolish. And it's much like what we're living through. They were dazed, as we are dazed, with a generation of kids growing up in our churches who are now young adults, and they're deconstructing their faith. A generation of ex-evangelicals, a generation of celebrity Christianity has led us to being a lukewarm church that means well, is sincere, but we've just leveled off and become complacent. We live now in a culture where being a Christian, the whole goal of it is for us to be happy, to be blessed and be comfortable instead of the goal being to be holy and faithful and passionate. We're concerned about living our best life now as if heaven and eternity were going to be a letdown. Let me tell you something while we're waiting for Jesus to return. Please hear me. Just because he doesn't come back today doesn't mean you won't see him today. There'll be millions of people die on planet earth today and they didn't see the rapture, but they're going to stand before Jesus. May we not become drowsy and sleepy and give up hope. Because the third thing that we see out of this parable is it was at midnight The cry rang out. The moment finally came. It happened. And it was at midnight, an alarming time. At 12 a.m., they said, He is here. And the wise virgins had fallen asleep. They rubbed their eyes and they rolled over and got their lamps and lit them. And they were getting ready. And the foolish virgins did the exact same thing. They rubbed their eyes and woke up and were like, wow, it's here. And they realized they didn't have any oil. And they couldn't go to meet him. And they asked to borrow some. Please hear me. And it wasn't mean of the wise virgins to not give their oil. The message is every individual needs their own oil. You can't borrow it from your pastor or your mate. Everybody needs their own oil at the midnight cry. The fourth thing that we see is the foolish virgins were not prepared. They were qualified. They're virgins. They're they're pure. They're sincere. They have an invitation to the wedding party. But when the moment came, although they were qualified... They weren't prepared. And that's a picture of a lifeless church. The fifth and final thing I'll say is, while they were out getting what they needed, oil, the door was shut. And Jesus wouldn't open it up for them to come in. And he actually said, I don't know you. So here Jesus is describing life, and ministry in these last days. And he tells us a strategic, simple parable. And the parable has two main points. The first one is this. The bridegroom seems slow, and that has a negative impact as it puts a person in a daze. They get drowsy. That's the first thing. The second thing that we see here is You need to be prepared when he does finally arrive. Okay, Pastor Chuck, we get it. How do you get qualified? You repent of your sins, make him your Lord, your Savior. You become a Christian. And how do you get prepared? You you get your oil. How do you stay prepared? You get not just the oil you need and are using right now, but you get oil that keeps you prepared. What is this? What is he getting at? Please hear me. Jesus is describing what's going to be missing in the last days of the church. Oil. What is oil? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing. Oil. 
in the last days when they need it, that's going to describe half the church is not going to, to have it. Oil. Oil, anointing, Holy Spirit. What, what is anointing? Everybody, anointing is when you've got something you need to do that you can't do and only God can do it through you and he does it through you. He actually uses you to get it done. When you're anointed to Zechariah, the, the children of Israel trying to rebuild the temple, and they've got all the contractors, they've signed the contracts, they've got the plans to rebuild it. And for some crazy reason, they just keep running into obstacles and they can't get the temple rebuilt. And this is why Zechariah goes, it's not going to happen by might or power. It's not going to be by getting the right contractors and getting some, some good gifted leaders in here. We're only going to get this thing rebuilt by the Spirit of God. And what happened? By His Spirit, He did the impossible. What they were unable to get done. We've got a calculated, logical church. And we think, okay, God is now limited and He can only do the things that we can do. No. God in His church is a supernatural. Let me remind you. He's God. He's not a human He's not the man upstairs. He's the divine creator. He is the alpha and the omega. He's almighty God. And we've, he created us in his image. And we've spent our whole lives trying to recreate him in our image. He's God and we're not. And we live in a world, one of the things I love about COVID right now is we are waking up to our needs. We're waking up to the depravity and the evil of man. We're finally going, okay, maybe a government leader isn't going to come in and solve all the problems. Maybe we're going to have to go with our last option. God! How, what a great thing to happen that we get all of our props removed and all we have is God. And we look and we see what's going on in our world and we realize Trump couldn't have fixed this. Biden can't fix this. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus tried to tell him when he said, hey, don't leave this city until you've received my, the gift, my father's, what was that gift? Oil, Holy Spirit. And they said, oh, wow, when that happens, are you going to come in and kick out Rome and we're going to take over? And Jesus said, no, you got the wrong idea. We're coming to a point where we're seeing, okay, our problems are insurmountable. Our world is in trouble. We don't know what's going to happen. And I don't have a goofy prophetic word to tell you, here's what's going to happen. But here's what I am telling you. Whatever happens, I want to have oil, plenty of it, so that I will have an anointing to discern the times and I won't be gripped or crippled by fear. I won't be alarmed by what happens. And listen, I know this is pushing against you a little bit. And I want to do that because I think the word is, God is speaking to us today. That we're in a unique era. This is an epoch. This might be like a 400 year cycle of significant changes happening. And if the Bible's true, and I happen to believe it is, I think that we are seeing many of the things Jesus talked about, we are watching them happen. And you know what excites me? And I'm just a country boy from Virginia. When I see all that God's doing, I feel inadequate. And I know I'm not up to the task. I don't have it in me. So don't look to me. Look to Him. Pray to Him that God will help me. Because all of us are inadequate. And when we see what is needed... May we look and see the God of the impossible. It, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to wax. I don't want to be, sound like a preacher, but forgive me for being the pastor of this church. He's, he still is reigning with no, hold on, with no challenge. He still has a plan that is perfect. Mark Zuckerberg may think he gets to influence these days. He isn't even a blip on the screen. Listen, don't clap. We, listen, 
These evil demonic forces that are Jezebel spirits trying to silence the voice of God, the word of God, have never won ultimately. Don't get your eyes off of the social dilemma. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes on, get full of the Holy Spirit. Realize the real and only authority left in the earth is in the body of Christ, the church of the living God. Come on, if you're going to praise him, lift up a thunderous praise to him. It's the truth. We praise you, Lord. Holy Spirit. You, you Pentecostal guys, y'all talk about the Holy Spirit every Sunday. Again, forgive me for being the pastor of this church. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I give these illustrations, like, Pastor Chuck, really, you think that's what that parable's about? Yeah, I do, 100%. Because we see it all through Scripture. Five were foolish, five were wise. The only difference was, the foolish didn't have enough oil to get them through the last days to be ready for the midnight hour. And they had to wait a long time and they got sleepy and drowsy. And they needed more oil. Holy Spirit. Anointing. The church in the last days needs a last day's anointing. Here, now hear this. Where do you get all that from? Well, it starts in the second verse of the whole Bible. We could go to a number of different places. This is getting ready to be, listen. If you haven't listened to anything, listen for the next four minutes, okay? The Bible says in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. The next verse says, and, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the, the earth was, had some issues. It was void, formless, dark, and there was chaos in charge. And what was happening? The Holy Spirit was hovering, doing what the Holy Spirit always does. What's the Holy Spirit waiting? For the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, Jesus, was in the beginning. When you hear Jesus was the Word, what does that mean? That means that God, in Jesus' life, said everything to the planet that God wanted to say. He was the word. And so when the Holy Spirit was hovering over chaos, void, emptiness, when the Holy Spirit heard Jesus, the word, let there be light, the Holy Spirit was ready and made it happen. There's other pictures of it. Um... I share this all the time. Mary is going, the angel shows up to Mary. And y'all have heard me say this dozens of times, and I'm not finished saying it because the template is uncanny. The angel comes with a message from God. Gabriel comes and says, hey, Mary, you are really favored. The Messiah is going to come from you. You're going to conceive and give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. And she goes, Listen, what most people say when they hear a, a word from God. The earth didn't have a choice. Darkness was there. The earth couldn't say, nah, we're good. Darkness is cool. Didn't have a choice. Holy Spirit was hovering. And Mary goes, I, I, don't, I, I think you got the wrong one. My name's Mary in case, you know, I, I'm a virgin. And, and the angel goes, I'm Gabriel, and I just came from God. And God told me to tell you. Oh, and she goes, how, can, how will that happen? You've heard me say it. You're going to be able to preach this sermon. And he goes, that's easy. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to conceive and give birth to the light of the world. The people who have walked in darkness are going to see a great light. And notice in Genesis, Holy Spirit is hovering, and God doesn't say, help me create something that can navigate the darkness. God didn't say, okay, I see the conditions. I'm going to create something that doesn't get 
hurt by the chaos. No. God is a confrontational. He brings light. The Bible says to him that darkness isn't even darkness because when he gets there, he's never seen darkness. When he shows up, there is, it's gone. Mary says, okay, may it be unto me according to your word. And the Holy Spirit conceives in her what? The word. And the word grows in her, is birthed through her, changes the world around her. And the people who have been walking in darkness now see the great light. We could look at Acts chapter 2. Peter is Six weeks earlier, he's in chaos. He's confused, darkness. He, he denies he even knew Jesus. And what happens? He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he stands up, and what does he do? He says, no, these people are not drunk. This is, hear me, this was in the Word. And so Peter stands up and starts speaking the Word. And so the chaos about what is happening is the darkness, the confusion, leaves and then we see in that same chapter at the end it says all the people were astonished at what God was doing in the church I'm pulling a lot of stuff together does anybody see the thread that's that's being woven through all of these stories we need oil we need anointing how many of you want how many of you are tracking with, how many of you, just tell somebody, I got most of that and what I didn't, it's going to come to me on the way home. So if I pull over and do a Chinese fire drill, you'll know why I got it. <laughs> See, do, do y'all pick up? Are we in a void, chaotic, dark situation again? Yes. Thank God, like the Holy Spirit for those sleeping virgins was hovering there in some jars, knowing that they're running low, but we're here. All you got to do it. Holy Spirit was, in Genesis 1, hovering. Do you realize, Holy Spirit is hovering right here now, going, will you, Pastor Chuck, speak the word? Because if you do... Holy Spirit will come and confirm the word and birth and conceive things in this womb called a church. And it will be birthed through and out of this place and change this world around us. How many of you know Holy Spirit's hovering over your situation right now, waiting for you to say, okay, let it be unto me according to your word? This is why speaking the, the last three weeks, the things I'm speaking. Is there anybody courageous, courageous enough to go in, into the darkness, the chaos, the threatening, challenging culture to go, let there be light? Not, oh God, help them walk in the darkness. Help them not stub their toe on the coffee table. No, it's a preacher's job to stand and say, this is what the Word of God says because the Holy Spirit is hovering over the earth right now going, if somebody will just say, let it be unto us according to your Word. There'll be what Jesus said might be lacking in the last days. Oil, anointing, Holy Spirit. I know this is a little bit high octane for everybody this morning, but welcome to the church of the high octane. <laughs> you know, I told Candace, I said, I'm still crazy enough to believe the Bible is true. It's true. Our Savior walks on water, He built an ark. A prophet was swallowed by a fish. An innocent Savior died on a cross. And it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. Because God was already on Monday morning going, I framed him. 
I want everybody's attention to focus on that cross and the burial. Because Sunday morning's coming. Man, I feel like screaming right up in here. God, in this church, give us oil. Give us an not craziness. You know, not there's chaos, darkness. Well, in the name of Jesus, let there be light. Let there be light. I say in the name of Jesus, be light. No. Let there be light. Holy Spirit's hovering. Whether I go, let there be light, or Holy Spirit's hovering, waiting for the word to come forth in the earth, and he will do what Jesus said. He will accomplish it. But we got to have oil. Somebody said, um, spiritual leaders who didn't have a backbone in 2020 won't have a microphone in 2021. God, give us not some backbone. Give us oil that gives us a backbone where we can declare his word with tears in our eyes and watch the chaos. <sighs> Name the chaos. It's before us all day long. Yes, I see what's happening to our schools. Yes, I'm concerned. Give us oil. Give us oil. May the miracles, may the God of the empty tomb begin to manifest himself in 2021 here in Alpharetta, Georgia, in your life, in my life, in this church. How many of you would love in the chaos for us to go? And all the people were astonished at what they saw God doing. Y'all out there? All right, I'm coming to a close. Y'all ready? You got to give me something better than that or I'll go, I'll go five more minutes. The main point of this sermon is not you need oil. The main point of this parable is not Jesus, you've taken forever to get... You know what the main point of this sermon is? The main point of this parable is the bride is coming. The bridegroom is returning. Zuckerberg can't keep it from happening. Twitter can't keep it from happening. There's no Republican, Democratic initiative in Congress that can keep it from happening. The bridegroom, Pastor Chuck, I've been hearing that my whole life. Yep, get ready because you're, you're getting drowsy and sleepy. Don't follow. If you do, make sure you got oil before you drift off, bro. The bridegroom is coming. How many of you are glad he's coming, but you're not ready to go right now? You'd like just, he's coming. There is a um, problem we have in Georgia. You know, we get cockroaches. And I don't, we don't, I haven't seen really many of them at our barn. I've seen a couple, but sometimes here in this, on campus, they'll be like a man-sized cockroach. Have y'all... You may have seen, I put a post on Facebook a couple weeks ago. There was one on a Sunday morning I went out. I mean, a Monday morning I came in. And right at the door, it was just, just slain in the spirit. I took a picture of it. I said, I don't even think Benny Hinn was here. Hashtag Benny Hinn wasn't even here. That's what I said. One of my crazy friends from Lee University said, go get a tissue or at least drop a modest cloth over him. I was like... Some of y'all don't even know what, thank God, y'all don't even know what that is. This week, I had, a, I had one of those man-sized cockroaches come in my office, and it was like, and you know when you step, I've said enough, and, but it dawned on me, you know, the Bible teaches there are sounds of his coming. There are sights you begin to see, and Jesus says, when you Hear these things. When you see these things, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. In, in preparing for this sermon, I, I've got a sick mind. Pray for me. Um, 
I thought, that poor little cockroach, you have no idea what's going on. You're two doorways away from the sanctuary. And you, you don't even know what's available in this place. And in my mind, just preparing the sermon, I thought, you were probably born, conceived on this church property. You're probably a Levitical cockroach. You're <laughs> You were born, it's all, you feel like got the calling of Samuel over you as a, I'm, I'm going, you, church is all you've ever known. And you are clueless. There's cockroach Christians who go, I've gone to church my whole life. Yeah, I like a passionate sermon every now and then. But mostly I just like, I like, I don't like too much light at one time. I'm a cucaracha. And it's the light that, that gets me. Cockroach Christians. Unaware. Holy Spirit's hovering over this place. Waiting for the word of God to come and conceive supernatural things from heaven. Am I making sense this morning? How many of you, just, just stand with me. Did you, did you pay attention to the songs we sang this morning? Like a bride waiting for the groom will be your church. Did you hear what Lisa sang? Jesus, your name, the sound of your name causes us to tremble. The darkness trembles and is no more. Holy Spirit, fill this place with fresh oil. May we not be slick, impressed that, ooh, this place is filling up again. May nothing distract us from the fact that the bridegroom cometh. He returns. May we not just be qualified, but prepared with oil, sufficient in the name of Jesus. Would you just raise your hands and just say, Lord, fill us with fresh oil. And that is to say, Lord, I don't want to be foolish. I want to know what your will is. I want to be able to discern that I might not be alarmed, crippled by fear. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill our church with your spirit. Keep Pastor Chuck full with a fresh supply of your anointing, Lord. Because we need you to do more through him than he can do. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. We like praise the bride you. Wait.